0: Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Amen. We're just excited to be here this morning. I believe the Lord's put something on my heart. I know I've been talking already eight minutes, but don't don't take that away from me. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Let's open our Bible up to to Daniel chapter 7. The book of Daniel chapter 7. And um, I want you to believe with me for God to, to say whatever He needs to say today. And um, I know we have two services, so I'm not trying to be in a hurry. I'm not trying to keep you in duly, But I believe the Lord put a message on my heart that will be a help to you. Um, in Daniel chapter 7, of course, we see it's a prophetic book. Daniel's speaking about many of the things that we're going to deal with in the last days. And I believe that we're in the last of the last days. I believe that Jesus is about ready to come. I don't know when he comes. He doesn't even know when he's coming. But how I many of y'all know we can discern, begin to discern that time is short and, uh, and and he's coming back soon. So this in Daniel chapter 7, I'm just bringing up one verse of scripture that is so relevant to what you and I are facing today. And, uh, and I want to begin here in Daniel chapter 7 and I want to look at this verse, Daniel chapter 7. And verse 25, and it says, And he shall speak great words against the Most High. He's really talking about the devil, the Antichrist. And shall wear out the saints. You should circle that word, wear out. And shall wear out the saints of the Most High. And to think to change. Look at this. And think to change times and laws. And they shall be given into his hand until a time of the times and the dividing of times. Now, I want you to see that this word here, Daniel's bringing up, is so significant to the hour in which we live. He said in the last of the last days, prophetic word for our day, he said one of the things that the enemy is going to do is wear out the saints. To wear out. The word wear out means to wear out, but it also means to wear down. It means to press upon you in the mental arena only. So this word wearing out is talking about a mental wearing out, wearing down, pressures that come against us in life, pressures that come against just living, pressures in the pressures that we face in raising families, pressures in our marriages. There's this constant pressures. And Daniel said right before Jesus comes back, there's going to be an unprecedented amount of pressure that's going to come against the body of Christ to wear out the saints. Now, this wearing out also means to strike the mind. So he's, he's telling us, Daniel's telling us, the main thrust of the enemy's weaponry is going to be against the mind. He's going to strike the mind and strike the mind and strike the mind and strike the mind. It's a continual striking of the mind. It's a continual wearing out of the person. It's a continual wearing you down with thoughts, wearing you down in the mental arena so that he can introduce into your life and pull your life in a different direction. And that's what the enemy's doing right now. There is such a wearing out of the saints. There's such a wearing down. The pressures that you and I, and we see this constantly. We see this constant pressure that comes against us every day. And we see this constant pressure coming through Hollywood we see this pressure coming through social media. We see this pressure coming through the news. We see this pressure coming through what they're trying to do in the schools. We see this pressure coming through in every facet of our society. And this pressure is coming to strike the mind, to strike the mind, to strike the mind, to introduce a different kind of lifestyle, to introduce a different kind of culture. So when the enemy is trying to move your life, in a certain direction, if you're born again, because he's talking to saints, if you're born again, he has to come through the doorway of the mind. He has to strike the mind. He cannot touch your spirit. Jesus lives there. But he can he can touch your soul. It's your mind, your will, and your emotion. That's your chooser, your soul. How I many of y'all know man is spirit, soul, and body? And the soul is the area that the enemy is working against to strike the mind. I can't just get them to do what I want to do. I got to come through the doorway of the mind first. Right, man. And so I have to introduce different thoughts and I have to introduce certain ideologies and I have to introduce things to them that they will start letting their mind massage. I'll start massaging their mind to redefine what marriage is. I'll introduce thoughts that it's not just a male and a female. It's male and male and female and female. And I'll introduce certain things into their life that they, that they over a period of time, because it keeps striking the mind and striking the mind, that they'll start accepting. I'll introduce thoughts that it's not just boy and girl. There's many different kinds of genders. I'll introduce this thought to them and see what they do. I'll introduce these thoughts and watch what they do. I'll introduce all this into the culture because what is he trying to do? Wear you down so that you will accept what he wants you to accept. He wants you to accept you're never going to amount to nothing. He wants you to accept nothing's ever going to change. He wants you to accept you'll always be lonely. He wants you to accept that you'll never get married. He wants you to accept certain things and he'll strike the mind and strike the mind and strike the mind to wear you out and to wear you down so that you'll just go with the flow. It's so easy just to go with the flow. Everybody else is doing it. You know, this must be the right thing to do, and it's not the right thing to do. He's trying to redefine what marriage is. He's trying to redefine what the family looks like. He's trying to redefine everything in culture so that his agenda will come forth. And what you're seeing right now is such a striking of the mind and his agenda starting to come forth. And as the body of Christ, we have to stand against it. And as the body of Christ, we don't have to accept what the world accepts. That we're not going to accept what the world accepts. And really the main thing of what the enemy's trying to do is redefine, should write this down, redefine truth. Redefine what truth is. It's truth being attacked. Because John 17, 17, it says, Sanctify them by thy word. Thy word is truth. Yeah. So really it's an attack on truth. Yeah. Yeah. He's trying to attack what the word of God says because the word of God is truth. Right. If I can attack truth yes. and redefine what truth is, yeah. then people will readily accept yeah. what they hear, what they see yeah. on a constant and consistent basis. Yes. Amen. There are things that our society accepts right now that 30, 40 years ago was condemned. Yeah. People would condemn it. And now it's just everyday news. Now it's just, you know, we'll accept that and we'll accept that. It's kind of like the boiling frog mentality. Anybody ever heard about the boiling frog? You put a frog in boiling water and you can put it in there cold and just slowly heat it up and the and the frog won't jump out of the water. He'll eventually just boil himself to death because it's a gradual, methodical move in a direction that the enemy wants to go. It's not just boiling water, throw it in the frog. Frog will jump out. But it's slowly. It's slowly introducing ideologies. It's slowly introducing to you what your child should learn, how your child should be taught, what marriage really looks like. See, what is he doing? Moving away from truth, getting them away from truth because you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. So he's trying to get you away from truth. And so he puts all these people around you. that have the same voice going in the same direction. And then we're not even understanding that our mind is being attacked. And if he does it slowly, we don't defend a wrong mindset. We accept a wrong mindset. And we don't even realize we have accepted it. Slowly introduce thoughts. Slowly introduce things and then watch what they do. I always say it this way. Nobody wakes up tomorrow and commits adultery. Nobody decides tomorrow. Well, I think I'm just going to sleep around tomorrow. Yeah. You're right. Nobody does that. Yeah. Right. First the thought comes. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't do anything with the thought. Yeah. And it starts wearing on us. And it wears us down. And wears us down. And wears us down. And we don't do anything to defend our mindset. Right. And so eventually we find ourselves doing things we never dreamed we would do. And through social media and through through all the, the outlets and all the news media and all the stuff that's coming, what is it doing? Strike the mind. Strike the mind. Get us angry and hate one another because of the color of our earth suits. Get us fussing and fighting with one another. Redefine what marriage is to break the family down. And if I can break the family down, I'll break their life down. If I can break their life down, I'll run them and I'll own them. And so these things aren't new, they're just with more intensity. These things have always went on. But there's more intensity now. There's more striking of the mind. And we've got to learn to guard and defend our mindset. The older I get, the more I'm realizing how important it is to guard over my thoughts and to renew my mind. And to guard your mindset. And to guard your children's mind. So Daniel is saying here, in the last of the last days, there is going to be such an onslaught of this attack against the mind to wear down the saints. Yeah. Some of you today may feel like you're wore down in your mind and you're, you're being worn out with these thoughts and worn out with the pressures. Well, there's help for you today. Yes. And I'm going to teach you how to get some help and I'm going to teach you how to, what you can do to move forward. Yes. Now let's look at this in First Timothy 4. Are you with me? 1 Timothy 4, praise the Lord. 1 Timothy chapter 4, and I just want to read a couple scriptures here to you. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. It says, now the Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, verse 1, speaketh expressingly. That word expressingly means intently. He is saying, listen, pay attention. That In the latter times, and that's at right before Jesus comes, the farthest in time... Some shall depart from the faith. The word some in the Greek means anyone, anybody. Anybody could could fall to this. Some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. So he's saying in the latter times, right before he comes, anyone, any person will depart from the faith. Well, you'd have to be in the faith to depart from it. So he's talking about people that are sitting under the Word, that are in faith, and all of a sudden their mind's being massaged by other things. Ideologies are coming that they're not defending their mind now. All of a sudden we're thinking, well, this isn't the only way. You hear people say, well, that's a truth to you, but that's not my truth. No, there's only one truth, and that's the Word of God. And people say that, well, that's a truth you hold. No, that's the truth. The Word of God is the truth. But what the enemy is doing is he's slowly coming in and introducing things, introducing ideologies, introducing different things that people will easily accept. So it begins to move them from the faith. Look at this. Why? Because they're giving heed to seducing spirits, which means they're luring you away. And doctrines of devil, doctrines begin to change. How does a doctrine begin to change? Because I'm striking the mind. I'm introducing other ideologies. I'm inter- introducing other things that the church wants. They lust for numbers. They lust for fame. They lust for fortune. They lust for all. So let's change the church. Let's change what the church looks like. So it looks more like the world mostly than it does heavenly things. And we'll call that church and we'll call you radical. Seducing spirits, luring you away. How does he lure anybody away? Through the mind. This is yours. You are the governor, the general of your mind. This belongs to you. This is not the devil's. This is yours. But you have to guard over it. You have to watch what's coming through your ears. You got to watch what you think about. You got to watch what you think on. You got to pay attention to your thought life. So, so important. And he says here in the last of the last days, same as what Daniel said. He said, there's people going to be lured away. We're going to lure them away. How? Through the mental arena. Through the mental arena. Look at this in 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul's speaking here to Timothy, the young pastor. He's saying, I charge thee, verse 1. Therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Look at this. Preach the word, herald the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. That's what you get when you come to church. You get rebuked, you get corrected. You don't just get petted, you get rebuked, you get corrected, you get help. Because it's not what you're doing right where you're messing up, it's what you're doing wrong. So when you come and Pastor Jordan is preaching and teaching, or whoever he has here, there's going to be corrective. It's going to be correction. It's going to be instructive. It may bring a rebuke. It may bring something that hits you that you're doing, and God's only doing that because he loves you, and he wants you to correct what's wrong and make it right. And he uses the word to do that. But notice it says, for the time will come, verse 3, when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from what? The truth. They're going to turn their ears. I don't want to hear that no more. They will turn their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables or just falsehood. So notice he said in these last of the last days, there's going to be seducing spirits. Jesus speaks of it, Matthew 24, yes. seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. And they're going to come to pull you out of this church. Yeah. Yeah. If this is a place of truth, this is a place that is a threat. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got to pull you away from what's truth. I've got to get you offended at the word. i got to get you offended at what is spoken. I've got to get you to take it as a personal attack. i got to do whatever i got to do amen, to get you out of here. Right. Because the truth and a place of the truth is where you're equipped. Yeah. The local church is where we learn. The local church is where we grow. The local church is, is where we learn how to be a disciple of Christ yeah. and to rule and reign in this life. Yeah. So the church is a threat to Jesus Christ, yes. I mean, to the devil. Yeah. It is a threat to him. Right. It is a threat to his kingdom. It is a threat to his agenda. Yeah. And so what he'll do anything he can to get you out of this church through misunderstandings. He'll have that misunderstanding and strike your mind and strike your mind and strike your mind. Hurt feelings, whatever it is to get you out of here. Saying, well, I can just go anywhere. No, you can't if God called you here. God called you here. And if God called you here, this is a place that God wants you to be planted and want to be seated. Hey, listen, I've been with Dr. Jacobs over 30 years, and there have been many opportunities, not because of him, just people around him. In the local church, they say things, do things, that you can get offended and walk away from the plan of God for your life. But I made a decision over 30 years ago that they didn't bring me to the dance. I came with him, and I'm going to stay with him throughout this whole thing. People come, people go. But I know who God hooked me up with, and I'm going to stay with it. Hallelujah. I'm going to stay with it. Steady Eddie. My name ain't Eddie, but I'm steady. Praise the Lord. (laughs) So this is what the enemy's seeking to do, to wear you down, wear you down, attack the mind, attack the mind. And Satan knows that in order to move a culture, a whole culture, from one place to the next, he has to influence the mind. You never do anything before you think about it first. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. There's always thoughts that come first before you act. Before you give somebody a piece of your mind, it hits your mind first. Right. Right. I just gonna give them a piece of my mind. Well, you're gonna give them a piece of everything you've been thinking. Yeah. Uh-huh. So it's gonna strike the mind before it strikes your mouth. But the enemy's trying to get a hold of your mouth through the mind. So Satan knows in order to move your life in a certain direction, he's got to come through what? The mind. He knows that. And whether you realize it or not, there is a battle and a war over for your mind. He wants your mind. Because if he has your mind, he has your life. If I wanted to move Pastor Jordan, even though he's a pastor, and I'm Satan, if I want to move his life in a, distri- in, a, in a place of destruction, I have to strike the mind. Yes. If I strike the mind and then I back up and see what he does with that thought. Right. I strike the mind. I can't come in too quickly, too abruptly. I got to just sow a little bit of seed and then back up and see what he does with that thought. Yeah. You're right. Then if he doesn't do anything with that thought, I'll come in and water it a little bit more. Then I'll come in and water a little bit more. Then I'll find him thinking about it and I'll find him talking about it. Now what I'm doing is I'm moving his life yeah. from a place of faith wow. out of truth yeah. Yeah. over yeah. where I want him to be. Right. Yeah. Really so oh, see, yeah. Satan can't do anything in your life you don't allow him to. Yes. And he's not going to do anything in your life as a child of God unless he comes through the mental arena first. Yeah. 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 It's really good. And if you stop him in the mental arena, you will stop his work in your life. Amen. But if you don't, he will not stop until he consumes your whole mind. Are you with me? In Proverbs, you can just write this down, but in Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 7, it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, and that's really talking about his mind, so is he. As a man thinketh, write this word thinketh down. This word thinketh in the Hebrew means a place of access. It means to split or to open. It's like if you took an apple and you took an apple and you split it from all the way down and you opened it up. That's what this word means. As a man thinks in his mind, so is he. It means a place of access. It means to split. It means to open. Here's another word in the Hebrew. It means a place of controlled access. Controlled. The enemy wants control over your mind. He wants you to constantly be thinking about oppressive thoughts, depressing thoughts, worrisome thoughts, confused thoughts. He wants your mind to be his playground. And he wants to take more and more real estate out of your mind. And he does it subtly. And you've got to pay attention. Because he says, as a man thinketh, so is he. As you think, your life today and my life today looks exactly the way you think. The way you think is in the forefront of the way you raise your children. The way you think is in the forefront of every decision you make. The way you think is how you spend your money. The way you think is where you go. Everything about you has to do with the way you think. Are you with me? And so if the enemy can get you to accept certain thoughts that he can get a foothold in your life. You know, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12 there, talks about how we are to be strong in the power of his might, that we are to watch the wiles of the devil, that we don't open ourselves up to the wiles of the devil. And the word wiles there, it's an interesting word in the Greek, it means a path, and it means a trodden down path. And it means something. It's like if you went in the woods and you started cutting a path and you're walking on this path. And it starts to press down the grass and press down everything. And you can start seeing, well, there's the path right there. You see, you know, woods and everything around, but you see a path. And you see that path. That's what that word wiles means. And what the enemy is talking about, 2 Corinthians 2.11, it says we're not ignorant of his devices. The word devices means the mental thoughts that strike the mind. So you put those two verses of Scripture, what it's talking about. It says that when the enemy comes against you, he's going to come down the path of your mind. Yeah. Wow. It's just like this path right here. When the enemy comes to strike your life, he's coming down the doorway or the stri- he's coming down the pathway of your mind. He's coming down the trodden path. This is how the enemy's going to come. Yeah. When we understand that, we'll start taking back our mind in certain areas yeah. that you couldn't be. You'll always be poor. You'll always be this. You'll See, that's a mindset. And that mindset has got to be changed. I hope I'm helping you today. And so when he comes against your life, he's not going to come any other way. He's going to come down the doorway of your mind. He's going to strike the mind. So I know when the enemy comes against me, I know he's trying to get into my mind. I know he's trying to lead me in his direction, and I have to withstand that with the word of God, which we'll deal with maybe tonight. Or, yeah. Amen. Are you with me? Yeah. But I want you to see that Daniel and Paul, right. and he, uh, Daniel and Paul in 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and in Ephesians is talking about a mindset. Yeah. It's talking about the striking of the mind. This constant pressure against the mind to wear you out, right. to wear you down. Yes. Anybody ever felt worn down in the mind? Yes. Some of y'all lying. How many of y'all ever felt worn down in the mind? Yeah, you've, uh, that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to wear you down, to wear you down, to wear you down. You know why? To get the fight out of you. He wants to get the fight out of you so that you'll quit and that you'll give up. And that's what he's trying to do. Just give in. Give in to the pressure. Because the pressure is not sinful. Because the pressure is not something you would easily identify. But just the pressure of dying early. Just the pressure of... Any pressure against the mind. See, certain things we would readily identify. You know, just uh, sinful thoughts. We would identify them. But just the thought of, you won't succeed. Just the thought that it's always going to be this way. Just the thought that you're never going to marry nobody. You're always going to be alone. Just the thought that people don't like you. Just the thought. We don't identify a lot of these thoughts as the enemy striking in our mind. So he keeps working and working and working against us until he pushes our life in the direction that he wants. So the enemy has to impact your mind before he could ever impact your life. When I begin to, when I begin to connect, when I begin to make the connection that my life looks the way I think, I begin to understand why my life looked like it did. Yeah. That filled in the blank for me. I begin to understand why I'm poor because I think poor. I begin to understand why I think I can't because in my mind it said, I think I can't do it. Yeah. So I'm defeated in my mind before I'm ever defeated in my life. If I'm defeated in my mind, I'm defeated in life. If I'm broke in my mind, I'm broke in my life. If I'm sick in my mind, I'm sick in my life. If I have worry in my mind, I have worry in my life. If I have care in my mind, I have care in my life. It's all being played out. Can you see it? Where your life is right now is connected to the way you think about everything. He just doesn't want us to know that. He doesn't want you to identify he doesn't want you to see that. So it's the wearing down of the mind. A number of years ago, I went on a, a trail. I like to hike. And uh, I was out hiking. And when I was hiking, we were up in the, this mountain and we were doing these switchbacks. And, and we were almost to the top of the mountain. And I came around this, this curve and there was this waterfall and the water was pouring off of it. Uh, Pastor Jordan and I were looking at that yesterday or the other day. The waterfall, but then there was one area of that waterfall. Fall as you passed it, where the water was just running off of it, dripping. Just dripping. And on the ground, I seen this rock that used to be solid, but is now concave. And the Lord spoke to me out of that. He said, "That's exactly what the enemy does through the mind. It's a slow drip. It's just a slow drip. It's just working on your mind." When no one's around. It's working on your mind when you're at home. It's that slow drip, that thought. And he keeps working on you and working on you and working on you. Just ever so slowly, ever so methodically. Just massage that thought. Keep it going. Keep it going until they eventually break down. Just like that rock. It was like a granite rock and it was concave where that drip just kept hitting it. And that's the way a lot of believers are. We have these thoughts that nobody knows. We have these things that are working on our mind behind the scenes when we're laid down in bed and nobody's there. These thoughts about us, these thoughts that are working on us and we're not doing anything about it. And sometimes they become such a pressure in our life. Such a pressure in our life. And we can't see a way out. Because we've taken that thought. Because it wasn't something evil or sinful. But we accepted it. You accept a thought when you don't do anything about it. When you're not defending your mindset. So it's a slow, constant, working on your mind, working on your mind. A person doesn't wake up one day and decide to commit suicide. It's after the enemy been working on his mind and working on her mind. It's better that you're not here. You're the problem. Drip. Drip, you're the problem. You're the reason for this. Drip, drip, nothing's ever going to change. Drip, drip. Everybody would be excited if you were gone. Everybody would be happier. Met with a 17-year-old a few months back in my own church. He said, Pastor, I just want to commit suicide. I said, think about that. you got 70 years at least in front of you. And you're wanting to end it all at 17. What have you been thinking about? See, I know how the enemy comes in. And he started opening up about the thoughts that he'd been having. Because he didn't wake up that day, that next day going, I'm going to go kill myself. Something's been working on your mind. What has been working on your mind? I want to know what the devil's telling you. And he told me. And I said, well, let me tell you the truth. Because to change truth, you have to introduce a lie. Let me tell you what the truth says. Here's what the truth says. That's the truth. You You need to take the Word of God, and you need to wash your mind with the Word of God, and you need to keep saying what the Word of God says to counter those thoughts, and to counter those thoughts. Because you're not connecting them as the enemy telling you. Nobody wakes up and does something that extreme in one day. It's when we don't think about what's going through our mind between our ears. We don't put a governor over our mind. We allow ourselves to think about all sorts of things. And then before long, we're overdoing things we never dreamed we would. And I see it all the time in my office. Pastor, I'm on pornography. It didn't start yesterday. I just have such a filthy mind. It's because you're yielding your mind to filth. Well, I just can't help from clicking. Yes, you can. Yes. Yes. This is your mind. Yes. You can take it back whenever you want, but you have to do what I tell you to do, to wash your mind with the Word of God and renew your mind. Yes. Yes. Thank you. You're clicking because you're not thinking, and a prayer line's not going to change that. I can pray over you and I can lay hands on you but until you make a decision to be a doer of the Word of God and renew your mind to God's Word nothing is going to change. You're just going to be back here in another month telling me you're doing the same thing because you won't be responsible enough to take authority over your own mind and you won't do something about the way you think. Therefore you can't do anything about the way you live. Until you change the way you think you cannot Change the way you live. It is impossible. You cannot change. You can come up here, I can lay hands on you till your hair falls off. Or if you don't have hair, we can lay hands on you till you have hair. But either way, when you get done, you still have to do something with the Word of God. You've got to see how He's getting into your life. You've got to see how He's making you miserable. You've got to see how He's trying to force Himself on you. It's coming through the mind. At what point do we take our mindset back? At that point, that's the time your life begins to change. You got to change. You want to change the way you live. You have to change the way you think. And so I told this boy, I said, here's what you're going to have to do. And he said, Pastor, I'm willing to do. I said, we're going to pray. We're going to repent. We're going to get things right. And you're going to go, you, not me, you, you're going to go to work on your mind. And every time that drip comes, every time that thought comes, you've got to counter it with the Word of God. Because this is what the enemy's doing right now. Listen, I can preach to you, and you can run around here and shout, and we can all flop on the ground. But I'll tell you, when we get up, we still got to do something about this. This is man's greatest problem. It's the way he thinks. Proverbs 4.23 in in the CEV version I like that version. It says, carefully guard your thoughts because they are the source of your life. Carefully guard over your your thoughts because they are the source of your life. What are you allowing to go through your mind? What are you allowing yourself to daydream about? What's going through your ears all the time? Look at this in Job. Here's a good example of this. You all right? Job, look at this in Job. Job chapter 1, we know this story, but I want to bring something out that'll, that'll help us that I feel like is relative to what, what people go through. Job chapter 1, and it says here, it says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job that was perfect and upright, one that feared God and ensued evil. And there was born unto him seven sons and three daughters. His substance were also seven thousand sheep. And 3,000 camels, and 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 she-asses, and, he, and a very great household, so that this man was the greatest of all the men of the east. And his sons went and feasted in their houses, every one his day, and sent and called for their three sisters to eat and to drink with them. And it was so when the days of their feasting were gone about that Job sinned and sanctified them and rose up early in the morning and offered burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, It may be that my sons have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus did Job continually. Now I want you to see this this situation. Job is assuming that his children are doing something. Maybe they gave him reason to do it before. But Job was assuming, didn't say they did. But Job said, it may be. Job couldn't say until his mind was attacked first. Job couldn't do. The enemy is telling you: you need to lift up, you need to give offerings, you need to give offerings. It could be that they did something honoring, you know they're going to die and God's going to kill them and God's going to take them. You better do something about it, Job. You better do something about it. What are you going to do, Job? What are you going to do, Job? What are you going to do? So Job started reacting to the enemy's thoughts. He started reacting to the enemy's thoughts and now all of a sudden he's making sacrifices for something he thinks they did. And the Bible says he did it continually. So it, daily, the enemy is visiting him with thoughts. Daily, the enemy's telling him what his kids could be doing. Yeah. You better do something, Job. You need to react to this, Job. Right. And so Job reacts to that in fear. What he did wasn't bad, but he, his response was out of a place of fear, not of a place of faith. Yeah. He's afraid. Yeah. Where's that fear at? In the mindset. God's not giving you the spirit, 2 Timothy 1, 7. God's not giving you the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound, a calm and well-balanced mind. God's not giving you the spirit of fear. But what's happening with Job? Fear is striking his mind. It's wanting a response. Thoughts want response. Dr. Jacob said something years ago. He said, you don't answer thoughts with thoughts. You answer thoughts with words. He wants a response. God's not giving you the spirit of fear, Timothy. At the time, Timothy, Nero was crazy. He was a king, and Timothy had, who knows, forty to 50,000 members of his church. He had an extremely large church. And at the time, they were killing Christians and sporting Christians. And Timothy, as the leader, as the pastor, well, he's a target. And Paul is writing back to him saying, listen, Timothy, you had faith that was in your grandmother, it was in your mother, I know it's in you. I want to remind you, Timothy, that God's not giving you the spirit of cowardness, of timidity, but of power, love, and of a sound, sound, sound mind. Fear will make your mind unsound. Fear will make you do things that are unsound. And so... Job began to do things unsound because his mind was being struck. Look at this in in, uh, Job chapter 3. Look at this in Job 3. So the attack first came against his mind. And then he's following through these thoughts with fear and worry. I need to do this. Something needs to happen instead of trusting in God. Job chapter 3 and verse 25. He says, for the thing which I greatly feared has come upon me. And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. Right. I was not in safety, neither I had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Right. And that's where a lot of people are today. Yeah. Because they're so troubled in their mind. Yeah. Because they're so attacked in their mind, they have no rest. Yeah. They lay down, they can't get rest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Every day there's pressure. Yeah. Pressure. Pressure. Yeah. 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 And it's from the enemy. I remember Brother Hagin talked about a guy that died before he was 40 years old because ever since he was a kid, he would always say he'd never lived past 40. Where did that start? Here. Because the enemy visited him when he was a little boy saying, you'll never live past 40 years old. He started thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it and thinking about it. And then he started talking about it. Proverbs 18, 20, 21 says, death and life are in the power of the tongue and they that love it will eat the fruit thereof. So the enemy kept striking the mind, striking the mind, striking to move his life to a place of destruction. Years, drip, 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 move him over here. And you know, a few months before his 40th birthday, he died. Nothing wrong with him. His words killed him. Because he didn't deal any with the mind when that thought came. My wife's sitting on the front row. At one time when she was a little girl, she believed she was fat. She had bulimia. She had a spirit. Dad had to cast it out of her years ago. Right. No matter what I told her or anybody told her, yeah. she wouldn't believe that she wasn't fat. And she was as skinny as a rail. Right. She's still skinny. <laughs> Got to add that part in. I'll get in trouble. <laughs> Been married almost 33 years. I've learned some things over the years. <laughs> Just saying. But no matter what anybody told her, well, no, you're not. I even laughed. I wasn't laughing at her, but I thought it was silly. I thought that's just ridiculous. And yet she wouldn't listen to me. She wouldn't listen to anybody because the enemy visited her when she was a teenager and just showed the thought. And she started started acting on that thought and it started to be a part of her life. When you act on thoughts, it's like a reciprocal. It comes back. And your life begins to look the way you think. She's walking now in bulimia because she thinks that way. Because the doorway to her life was through her mind. And my mom, my mom told her one day, she said, Angie, you need help. You really need help. And that just, it just clicked in her. And she went to Dr. Jacobs and I don't know if dad remembers, but dad prayed for her and she got free and she was free from that day. But she still had to renew her mind. Are you with me? Still got to do something about your mind. You can't leave it alone. Brother Summerall said your life will never look any different than your thought life. Your life will never look any different than your thought life. And that's the truth. Are you with me? I know I'm just about out of time. I got so much more to share, but praise the Lord. Let me let me uh, let me close over here. Let me give me a few minutes here, and then I want to minister to you. Acts chapter ten. Look at this in Acts chapter ten. There's some other things. We'll deal with that tonight. How's that? Is that all right? Yes. You getting any help? Yes. And but you know, but my, my wife thought, said that. I thought, well, honey, that's the most ridiculous thing I ever seen. I mean, you're just as skinny as a rail. But see, in her mind, she was looking at herself as fat, overweight. Mm -hmm. See, and you can just fill in the blank whatever he's telling you. Does it line up with Scripture? What are you believing? What does your life look like today? It's connected to the way you think. And I want to conclude this out of uh, Acts chapter 10. And tonight we'll deal with some other things. Acts chapter 10, I want you to see this. And it says here in verse 38, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went around doing good and healing all that were oppressed. Circle that word. Oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Now I want you to see this word oppressed means to dominate you from the outside. It means a wearing down or a bearing down in the mind. It means bullying Because the enemy's a bully, he bullies you with thoughts. It's pressing against the mind. He's acting like a bully. He's trying to dominate you, not from within, but from the outside. It's outside pressure striking you and striking you and striking you. Telling you what to feel. Telling you how to feel. Telling you how things are going to come out. It's oppression. It's oppressing you. It's telling you how your life is going to end up. It's telling you lies and thoughts. Are you with me? So this is outside pressure. And that's all the way back in Daniel, what Daniel was talking about. In this last day, there will be a wearing out. There will be this pressure that comes against an, an, an an unprecedented pressure that comes against the body of Christ that's going to what? Wear them down. Wear them out. Beat them down bully them with thoughts Mm -hmm. because he's a bully. Bullying that person with thoughts. Bullying that person with lies. Trying to move their life in a different direction. It also is connected to the word torment. Some people are tormented in their mind every day. They smile. They look like you and me but behind the scenes and underneath the scene they're tormented in their mind. There are things going on in their mind. They're not dealing with it. Because they're not connecting it. But they're living in this pressure and then this torment. And it's striking and striking and striking against their mind. Hallelujah. Tormenting them. There's nothing worse than being tormented in your mind. With thoughts. And notice this. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power who went around doing good and healing. This word healing there, it doesn't mean in the Greek, is not an instant healing. This word healing means a process over a period of time. So in other words, whenever I begin to understand how the enemy is coming against my mind and I begin to understand these thoughts are not my thoughts, these thoughts are not God's thoughts, these thoughts are the enemy's thoughts trying to weigh me down, wear me down, and and get me to a place to to act on these thoughts, I have to begin, there's healing available. There's an anointing available for me, but I need to realize it's going to come over a period of time. I'm not going to go from this high way of thinking to all of a sudden this way of thinking overnight. Yes. Yes. It, it's got to be me working the Word. It's got to be me acting on the Word. I come to church, I listen to my, and I keep working on my mind and working on my mind and working on my mind and working on my mindset and working on my... It's a gradual healing. Yes. Now, praise God, when we get it overnight, and there are some things that come instantly, no doubt, not, not diminishing that. But in a general sense, it comes through the renewing of the mind. It's an ongoing process. So he's saying here that God anointed Jesus of nether, anointed, anointed, that means to rub on. It's like God rubbed his power on Jesus' hands for him to rub his hands on someone else. It's the anointing, means to rub on, means to be endowed with power. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went around doing good and healing all that were what? Oppressed. Jesus was dealing with the very thing that we're dealing with right now. People that are oppressed in their mind. What was the answer to the oppressed mind? The anointing. The power of God. The power of God would help you. Luke 4:18 said how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Yeah. Yes, sir. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. How God anointed Jesus, who went around doing what good and healing. Yeah. But then Luke 4:18, remember that he said what the spirit of, no is that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me yeah. to what preach the gospel to what the poor, yeah. to heal the brokenhearted. Yeah. And that last word used there is bruised, and in the Greek it means hurt psychologically. Yeah. Yeah. So there is an anointing to help people in their mind. Now, the anointing don't change your mind where you're just, all of a sudden, it can knock things off of you. It can help you. It can bring empowerment to you to help you in that regard. Amen. But you'll have to do your part to renew your mind, to change the way you think, and not just sit there and let things go through your mind like a highway going up and down. That you're not doing anything with these thoughts that are just running rampant in your mind. You're always going to be sick. You're always going to be weak. You're always going to be broke. You're always going to be stupid. No one's ever going to like you. You're always going to be fat. You're always going to be skinny. Just on and on and on and on. And I found in my own life, when I begin to understand this and I begin to take my life back, I took my life back by taking my mind back. Started working on my mind. Every day. Still do it today. Meditating on the Word of God. I don't think like I used to think 30 years ago. The Word of God has completely changed my life because I let it wash me in my mind. And the body of Christ today is under such pressure, so much pressure on people's minds. So, But there's an anointing. There's an anointing to help you. There's an anointing to, to, to minister to you. And uh, so I hope you got some help out of that today. And I'd like to do that t- this morning. Praise the Lord. I'd like to do that. And uh, I'd like for everybody to stand up if you would and um, praise the Lord. You know, there is such pressure that comes against people's mindsets and against people's mind, but there's an anointing to help you. There's an anointing to help you. And if you sense that in your mind, or you've been dealing with a lot of mental things, that been, you've been really weighed down in your mindset with things. Okay. then I want you to come and I want to lay hands on you. I won't take long. I'm just going to lay my hands on you and release that anointing. The anointing is what destroys the yoke. The anointing is what helps. It's not me, it's the anointing. But there's an anointing to help you in your mind. To have more peace. But when you make that connection, then I see it. You know, Dr. Jacobs, 30, probably 30, 30, 31 years ago, started teaching me this, and I was sitting in a in the congregation, and he started talking about your life looks like your mind. It was such a divine revelation to me. It was like a light switch came on. I said, "That's exactly my problem. My mind, my mind is not right." And I went to working on my mind, and it changed my life. still is today. still is today. And I'm grateful. There's pressure on people, but there's freedom today. So if you would, I'm just going to come by and lay hands on you. We have ushers, right? Yeah. I'm just going to come and lay hands on you and release that anointing. It doesn't matter whether you feel anything or not. It's you, when I lay my hands on you, you just say, I receive, I receive that anointing. The anointing destroys the yoke. And sometimes we can feel so yoked up in our mind, and so confused with life, but there's an anointing to help you today. So as I come and lay hands on you, don't pray, because if you're praying, you're giving out, you're not receiving. When I lay my hands on you, you just receive. Whether you feel something or not, doesn't matter. You receive by faith. Father, I thank you right now for these that are here. I thank you for these that are coming up in this line this morning. Lord, I thank you for the anointing that you've put upon me to minister to them today. And I believe that as I lay my hands on them, that they will receive freedom, freedom. That that anointing will help them peace and clarity will come and that they'll begin to move forward in a supernatural way. They'll begin to see like I've seen the connection between the mind and their life. And we give you all the praise and all the glory. Everybody said amen. Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.